This podcast is brought to you by Cochlear Limited, the global leader in implantable hearing solutions. More people choose Cochlear than any other hearing implant company. Hello and welcome to this podcast in the ENT Expert Opinion Series. My name is Dr. Niall Jefferson and I'm talking today with Dr. Philip Chang. Dr. Chang completed his training in otolaryngology in Australia and went on to perform a post-fellowship training with Ugo Fisch in Zurich and additional time with David Moffat in Cambridge and at the House Ear Clinic. He is a member of a number of professional societies and it presents nationally and internationally as well as has an active role in the training of registrars locally. He is a clinical director of the Shepherd Centre of Hearing Impaired Children and of Hearing Implants Australia and runs a busy paediatric and adult clinical practice with an emphasis on otology and neurotology. Thanks for joining me today, Phil. Niall, thank you for inviting me. Our topic for today is bone conductive hearing aids. For the simplicity of the, of the interview, we're going to refer to them as bone anchored hearing devices. Now, to begin with, how did the concept of a bone-anchored hearing device come up? Niall, it's been around, believe it or not, since 1965. Back then in Sweden, Brangmark discovered that you could osseo-integrate bone, that you could get osteocytes grown into t- titanium, and this proved advantageous when it came to craniofacial reconstruction. And it was nine years later that Telstrom extrapolated this technology to hearing implants. So we have this potential to be able to deliver sound straight onto bone. What are the current indications that we have for utility of this technology? We take advantage of the bone conduction pathway to the ipsilateral cochlea or the contralateral cochlea for two reasons. The first is if there is a significant conductive hearing loss in one ear that is unaidable. And that ear may be unaidable because of congenital atresia, because there may be another canal problem such as end-stage medial canal stenosis. Less commonly, It may be because the ossicular chain cannot be reconstructed with or without previous mastoid surgery, which makes it incompatible to wear a hearing aid. And so for all these reasons, a bone-anchored hearing aid for unilateral conductive hearing loss is ideal. The second criteria is for single-sided hearing loss, that there is a total hearing loss on the side of implantation, but the contralateral cochlea is normal or near normal. And a cochlear implant is not suitable uh, because there is damage to the cochlea uh, preventing an implant, a cochlear implant, or there is damage to the auditory nerve as a result of acoustic neuromas uh, uh, pathology or surgery. And so all these patients for single-sided hearing loss are suitable for a uh, bone-anchored hearing aid to conduct to the good contralateral cochlea. What are the advantages of this technology over a conventional hearing aid? A conventional hearing aid may not be able to tap into the underlying cochlear function. So 
The strongest hearing aid in the world cannot penetrate through congenital, an ear that is congenitally atretic or stenotic as a result of medial canal stenosis. And so, even though there is good cochlear function, it is inaccessible now through a conventional hearing aid, and that's where a device that bypasses the uh, external middle ear and taps into the good cochlear function underneath through a bone-anchored hearing device is advantageous. You've mentioned how these patients often present with different pathologies. Is it different between adults and children? It is, Niall. Most of the kids that we see that are suitable for bone-anchored hearing aid devices have congenital atresia. The diagnosis is obvious at birth, and these children uh, are trialled and benefit from a bone-anchored hearing device fitted onto a soft band. So that allows a position of the device against the bone above and behind the ear with um, an elasticised band. As these children get older, when they reach the age of four or five Nile, uh, they are old enough potentially for bone-anchored hearing aid surgery um, and it is considered at this age. Quite often there is talk in children with congenital atresia about correcting or addressing the cosmetic aspect of a, a poorly formed pinna. And so the bone anchored hearing aid device, when it's inserted, is inserted well and truly above and behind the poorly formed pinna. We know with congenital atresia, the atritic ear sits more anterior more inferior and so the device itself has to sit further back and that allows more room for the cosmetic surgeon should surgery be considered to correct the atrial ear uh, to perform their surgery without compromising their blood supply. And in adults? In adults patients present differently. Patients usually are being considered for bone anchored hearing aid because it's a means of offering them hearing following a long history and a long struggle with ear disease. These patients have had multiple procedures to address their underlying ear condition. It might be chronic ear disease, it might be cholesteatoma, it might be many ears disease, it might be a previous acoustic neuroma. And so these patients have had temporal bones that are distorted and uh, this device is a means of offering them hearing. Are there any contraindications to the insertion of an, one of these bone anchored hearing devices such as Paget's disease or um, uh, is the thickness of the skull a problem? Yes. In children it is contraindicated until the skull is at least three millimetres thick. So generally that coincides with the child being about four or five years of age. On the adult side, the, these patients have had previous scars behind the ears, temporal bone defects, mastoid defects, and generally there is enough of a virginal footprint for the bar heart to be inserted. 
um, that even in the presence of previous surgery, a Baha is possible, that the bone may be affected by osteopetrosis or Paget's, and this is not a contraindication. What is a contraindication is inserting a bone-anchored hearing device in an irradiated bone field. And so quite often by moving more superiorly or more posteriorly relative to the ear, non-irradiated bone can be found and a bone-anchored hearing aid device may well still be possible. So you have before you a patient who is considering one of these devices. How do you counsel them? These patients have often struggled with means of amplifying their hearing for years on end, that they have had hearing loss that is long-standing, they have been trialled with hearing devices that have not been strong enough and at times not appropriate. So the first thing to do is to do a hearing test to ensure that they have adequate cochlear function in the underlying cochlea or the contralateral cochlea. And the devices themselves can be fitted to a testing rod uh, that is used uh, by pressing it hard against the bone uh, above and behind the ear and transmitting the sound through. And this gives the first, this gives patients the first glimpse of what it's like to hear with the underlying cochlear function they have. They need to then be worked up and counselled by implant audiologists and part and parcel of that is having a prolonged trial with the device fitted with a soft band. And only once they've uh, undergone this trial by hearing what it's, what it's like in a quiet environment, in a crowd and potentially in a noisy environment, do they, do they get a glimpse, do they get an idea of what the bone-anchored hearing aid device will offer them for their hearing and for their lifestyle. You've mentioned the importance of appropriate audiometric testing and uh, counselling as far as expectations, giving people a chance to um, see how it works for them. Other investigations, is a CT mandatory? And if not, why not? A CT NOL is only indicated in the context of a complicated history of previous temporal bone and mastoid surgery. So Niall, if a patient, say, has had a previous translabyrinthine or retrosigmoid approach, that a CT will give it an idea, an idea of where the underlying bone is intact, its thickness and its remoteness from uh, any potential CSF space. But in general, uh, a bone-anchored hearing aid is not a operation involving the ear, but the region above and behind it. And so it's often remote where there has been previous surgery, scars, distortion and, and drilling. What is probably more mandatory is counselling. And patients with a conductive hearing loss in general do much better than a patient with a single-sided hearing loss that a patient with a conductive hearing loss, particularly long-standing, will immediately appreciate the sound 
offered through amplification through the testing rod and with the soft band. And in general, these patients do extremely well. For patients with single-sided hearing loss, particularly if they've enjoyed normal hearing previously and they've lost their hearing through something unfortunate like sudden hearing loss, need to be counselled at length that a bone-anchored hearing aid will not restore the sensation of hearing to normal or near normal in that ear for single-sided hearing loss. That these patients will still struggle in the presence of moderate background noise and so these patients need for single-sided hearing loss need to be counselled at length with a prolonged trial of the soft band. If we then consider the different types of hearing devices is it fair to say we can classify it into two main groups? Yes, that's right, Niall. There are bone conduction devices where the speech processor, the vibratory component, is external. And it transmits the sound through the underlying bone, either through a rigid titanium implant or two magnets that... Uh, connect to each other through the intact skin. These are called passive implants. The other sort is an active implant where the vibratory component is embedded within the temporal bone, that there is, it is powered by uh, a battery and a microphone that is external. And so both have advantages and disadvantages. In simple terms, are you able to give us an idea of some of those advantages and disadvantages? With a bone-anchored hearing aid device where the speech processor is external, the external portion can be upgraded readily. So with time, the speech processors are becoming more powerful, smaller, more sophisticated, longer battery life, greater connectivity. Don't forget, Niall, a lot of these patients have ongoing disease processes that may tax their cochlear function further, such as many years disease. And so if we give them a hearing implant, we would like a plan where we can upgrade their implant so their hearing loss progress. With an implant where the speech processor is internal, that is harder to achieve without the need for uh, greater surgery. Are there any key tips or pitfalls related to the insertion of these devices? For the bone-anchored hearing aid, there are two bone-anchored hearing device systems. One system involves a transcutaneous implant. This almost certainly is a titanium rod that is embedded through the underlying bone and exits through the skin. Anything that is transcutaneous has the potential to react with the overlying soft tissue and there was a significant incidence of this uh, in previous systems and in previous decades. The skin reaction for tra the transcutaneous system has dramatically diminished in incidence and severity. 
Now, Noel, part of that is because of improved surgical techniques, and part of this is because of superior technology with the implant itself being covered with a more inert surface uh, using materials like hydroxyapatite. The other system, Noel, is a system where the whole implant is subcutaneous, where there are two magnets that uh, communicate with each other and the speech processor sits uh, on the external magnet. Now, with the scalp being intact, it means there are no skin changes. There is some attenuation of sound as it needs to penetrate through the skin and subcutaneous tissue. That can result in about a 5 to 8 decibel diminution of sound. And so that needs to be considered when we're looking at what device to, to choose. What are the post-op instructions for the patient who has undergone a bone-anchored hearing device implant? No matter what system has been used, the surgery is generally day-only surgery that it involves a minimal shave above and behind the ear. That in both cases, the implant is waterproof from day one, that a silicon spray is used to make the skin and the um, and its surface uh, waterproof from day one. We do like to wait two to four weeks for osseointegration to occur before the implant is switched on. And this may be even longer in a child where there is less purchase in the bone because of, of the calvarium being thinner, or in an elderly patient where the bone is to be slightly more osteoporotic. And so it can vary. We may even switch patients up to eight weeks down the track following their surgery. You've talked to, to some length on this, but what generally are the hearing outcomes that can be expected with this kind of technology? The outcome is only as good as the patients we've selected and the expectation with which they are armed. So patients with conductive hearing loss generally do very, very well. Now, can we consider a, a patient, say, 20 years of age, who's had bilateral congenital atresia. The only way that that patient has heard today is with a traditional steel spring bone conducting device. It was the only device that could allow that patient to hear, but it is associated with significant discomfort. And so a bone-anchored hearing aid through a titanium implant, be it considered unilaterally or bilaterally is going to give that patient the best hearing they have ever heard in their life. They are eternally grateful for the superior hearing as a result of this device. On the other hand, we may have a patient that has had a sudden hearing loss, has had perfect hearing, and six months, 12 months down the track, thinks that a bone-anchored hearing aid is going to offer them the hearing they had. And the reality is it will be advantageous, but it won't give them the hearing they had. And so these patients need to be counselled slowly, more gently, and uh, require a greater trial period with the trial devices. 
What is the future for this technology? The bow-legged hearing aid for patients represents quite often their only means of hearing Nile. They're not suitable for hearing aids. They're not suitable for cochlear implants. And it's the and bone anchored hearing aids for these patients has been terrific, but it has not been without disadvantage. Cosmetically, their speech processor with will with time and necessity become smaller, more sophisticated, with longer battery life, that with time the transcutaneous device will need to continue to develop to the point that skin reaction is absolutely minimised and if possibly negated. Until these advances in technology have been achieved, the bone anchored hearing aid has a valued and solid place in helping patients hear where other devices have failed to do so. Thanks very much. It's been a, 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 an interesting discussion on what can be a, a, a difficult topic to navigate. Um, we'll finish with the final word. The final word is uh, an opportunity to recap on something that we've discussed that you think is particularly relevant to the discussion of bone anchor technology, um, or if there's something that we haven't covered during the course of the uh, discussion today that you think is, is critical when considering this. So I'll hand it to you for the final word. Dial bone-anchored hearing aid devices represent the fastest-growing uh, technology in the hearing implant world, and it's becoming the most popular. Still, it behoves us to be abreast of the criteria to counsel patients appropriately and to master the way we do the surgery to give patients the best outcome with the best expectation. Thanks very much. This podcast was brought to you by Cochlear Limited. Cochlear is dedicated to giving their customers the best lifelong hearing experience and access to innovative future technology. As the global expert in implantable hearing solutions, Cochlear has helped over 400,000 people of all ages around the world live an active life by reconnecting them with their family, friends, and their community.